We need business aligned with the state. We need everybody focused on looking after other people and looking after our planet. And if we get uh, both uh, businesses and the state to be totally aligned um, and move from a culture of uh, rights, where I've got the rights to whatever I like, to a culture of obligations to others, to care for others and planets, that will sort the problem. With a global financial collapse on the horizon, even more detrimental than in 2008. What are the state politicians and privateers going to do as we face imminent failure? Well, there is hope in one man, ready to confront the challenge more than the rest with a mission to change the world and to create a freer society. He might just be our only catalyst left and the source of truth that the next generation deserves. Philip Ullman thought leader and social entrepreneur. Josh, you are making an impact in what you do. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, uh, uh, and it's very admirable. But what would any one of the people that you work with say when Philip says, you don't need money? Um, it's interesting. I... I uh, released a book um, a few months ago, which was about my journey, but also about um, social enterprise and how we might kind of evolve capitalism in some way. And there was a study that I talked about in the book that talks about um, this sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how much money you need. And they sur they've surveyed uh, you know, m many people to find these results, and it found that from people that had no money up to about £70,000 annual income, the amount of money that you had materially affected your happiness because, you know, it helped you with meet your basic needs and your family's needs up to about that level. The people that they surveyed after £70,000 uh, income annually, regardless of whether they were a millionaire or a multi-millionaire or what bracket they moved up in, it didn't actually materially affect their happiness. So I think, you know, the people we work with that are homeless, of course money matters. You know, it desperately matters because they're clawing for the bare essentials in life and it matters up but to But that's them. the contradiction. That's what I'm asking. I, I wasn't saying that money doesn't matter. I'm saying that, 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 that Josh said the incentive you need is to mm -hmm. make more money. I didn't say money. Mm -hmm. you, of course you need money, as, as, mm -hmm. as, as Josh is saying. So Mark, I, I'm confusing you. <laughs> Apologise, Josh. Mark, Mark, Mark Josh. Josh, Mark Josh, I'll get it right, aren't I? <laughs> By the end of the discussion. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I'll get it right. Um, yes, I wasn't saying, I'm saying that, 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 that you don't need an incentive of more money. Of course you need enough money to put food on the table. There is a amount, but, but you said you need incentive. That doesn't need billionaires. That needs £70,000 for everybody, and that's all you need. So £70,000, I'm being picky now, Philip just said that's all... You need. Well, that's what the that's what the sort of science shows you in terms of impacting happiness. There was another interesting study that I read about um, when I was writing the book that was it was a survey of millionaires and basically it asked the, the people surveyed how much more money as a percentage do you think you would need to be happy? And it didn't matter whether someone had a million or ten million or twenty million; they always needed about ten to twenty percent more than they had. So it shows you that 
you know, it's a never-ending um, cycle to always want to accumulate that bit more. Um, you know, and, and I would agree with Philip, like, certainly in my own life, there's so much satisfaction and happiness and joy derived when you create something and you see that has an impact. And that is a really motivating thing once you get onto that that kind of pathway and you kind of get the same kind of dopamine rush as imagine when you achieve a commercial milestone in a more traditional business. I think the challenge in society, which I do believe leads to a lot of inequality, um, is that, as Philip said, we're all very competitive people and the definition of success in our society is so clearly defined as financial wealth, you know, whether you're on Instagram or whether you watch the TV and you tune into Dragon's Den or The Apprentice or whatever it is, the kind of definition of business success is very much financial. So we all want to win that game. So we all kind of go off on that path. And I think, um, you know, certainly I think if you're able to alter your mindset a bit and look at other ways of uh, developing a business that has more social indicators as metrics for success, it can bring a lot of personal happiness, but also can hopefully start to address some of these issues of inequality and the societal challenges that we face. Mark, can I ask you to respond to me? We had this discussion between us yesterday. You, you put forward the argument that uh, um, you need motivation, therefore you need more money to motivate people, otherwise people won't actually get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what the argument I'm putting? There, there are other things that drive people. people. Yes, 100%. And um, I don't want anyone to misunderstand my point uh, because I may come across as like money, 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 but that's, that's not it. I actually advocate for much deeper purpose but mark you, you know you are in some ways representing people who that makes them happy the money 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 makes them happy does it i don't think it does yeah <laughs> that's, yeah that's definitely not mark um i've not lived my life by that my actions have not uh, shown that in business either it's more of i get people because i work with a lot of people on a one-to-one basis different cultures all over the world i get people to tap into what their purpose actually is what is their why so for example behind my why was to take care of my family uh, we've had some issues in the past. My dad's not very able. My incentive there was not money. It was how do I get us out of a tough situation coming from council estate and being in the Middle East and lots of different things. How can I put my family in the best situation possible? So when I'm putting my points across, yes, I agree with Josh's point. There is a certain cap in which money doesn't really add any more value. I actually went on the same road, sold all of my supercars because I realized that it's just very, very mundane. You don't get any extra joy. I would find more joy in something simple like a new coffee machine. Like something you start to realise that these is things that are Is that because you've had the supercar? Mm. I, I think it is because I know you you've already point. had the supercar and, you, you and now you don't want earlier. it. Yes. So yes. I think a lot of people do have to get in that situation where it's easy for me to say, look, I've had it, it's gone, you don't need it. And then on the Vic- other side, people's desires are, Victor's oh, rolling. I don't have that. Victor's rolling. <laughs> His eyes, though. No, sorry. I mean, you won the supercar. I've, 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 I've never had a supercar. Normally. I've never had a supercar. You're right. I, I, I wanted I mean, a Lexus. No, I wanted a Lexus. And I wanted the, but, but in the end, once you've had it and you get a scratch in it, the interest dies very, very quickly. Yeah. Because it, once it's got a scratch. Anyway, so you're right. It, it goes away very quickly. The, you've got one yacht. Um, no, no interest in yachts at all. But <laughs> there, there was one more. I mean, want one yacht. I want two. I want three. It's, it's the point. You always want more mm. than you've got. I mean, I, I think it's so fascinating because what you mentioned about um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've actually done a lot of research mm-hmm. into that as well. And I think this is what we're talking about. As individuals, on a basic level, we want our needs met. And that starts with food, security, warmth. Mm-hmm. You know, do we have a house? Mm-hmm. That's fine. And that's why you're doing a lot of work with homeless people, I'm sure. 
you know, before they're thinking about the Lamborghini, they're thinking about, am I going to sleep tonight and warm and get a hot shower in? Yeah. But I think, you know, in the UK, bringing it back to sort of this income divide and inequality, in the UK on average, you know, people just met the first two, you know. Then on the top of the pyramid, um, I'm not sure if they'll show it, but then you've got self Love and belonging, so mm. love and belonging, family, friendships, relationships. Then you have esteem needs, and this is where it comes. With, this is what I think is actually the biggest issue when it comes to income inequality: is esteem needs. How do you sort of make yourself feel like this person who is honoured, or how do you mm. show that you're of wealth, you're of worth, you're of credibility? That comes through, you know income for the majority of people because it can allow you to purchase things that can signal these esteem needs then on top you've got the self-actualization desire to be someone like your purpose which everybody's mm-hmm. going for mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think when i think about that pyramid i think about where i'm at it's sort of yeah i've got my basic needs covered but there's needs there's this self-actualization piece like i want to be somebody that's why i'm studying that's why i'm going to the next level that's why i'm working hard but it's really hard to do that when if you and you said you know you don't need a lot of money but it's it's really hard to do that where you don't have money to meet your basic needs and if we're living in the uk with the cost of living crisis you know inflation peaked at 11.7 percent gas bills are literally so and this is a personal situation even my house we're on a variable mortgage we've seen it double mm-hmm. how Crazy. can a mortgage yeah. rate double yeah, in under yeah. two years yeah. and you think a lot of people in worse mm-hmm. situations they're not thinking about you know relationships and love and belonging they're thinking about how can I you know get mm-hmm. this sorted before I then want to do good for others why do good for others if I haven't taken care of myself I'm just saying about the Bible's perspective this Bible's got a very very clear answer and it ties to both what both of you are saying um, there's no concept of rights in the Bible anywhere mm-hmm. it's all about obligations so what you're saying both of you are saying is there are needs everybody has needs yeah the, the needs a home family food a meaningful job Security, which is a big one. I, I mustn't worry about losing my job. I mustn't worry about losing my home. That's a big one. We live in fear. But what the Bible says is your obligation is to meet, to ensure that everybody's needs are met. Collectively. And, no, no, you, you start with, yes, yeah, yeah, so it's about an obligation. It's not right. So we, we live in a society where I have the right to do whatever I want. I can make as much money as I want. I don't need to care about anybody. It's my right. I've got the, the freedom of choice. I can spend the money on yachts. No, not, that's the basis. That's not the way to do it. You have to move to a system of needs where we all have obligations to ensure that everybody's needs are met. And that's the concept. And therefore, the point you're making is once you get to a certain level, you don't need any more money, but the system doesn't stop it. Mm-hmm. The system just allows you to continue to keep it. There's no, that's because it's, it's all about rights and and, and it should be about obligations. That's the way the Bible says it's all about obligations. And that, that obligation is to ensure that everybody, including the needs of the planet, because mm-hmm. the planet also has limited, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that later on, but, but needs must include the needs of other people and the needs of, of the planet. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the system. And one of our questions is, how does our system put so much in the hands of a few? But is it also about culture? And I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but, you know, I've been to countries that are, that are, not wealthy, many countries that are not wealthy, yet I feel on the surface that some of those countries you see very, very poor people who will give you their last 
grain of rice mm-hmm. yeah. through hos- being hospitable and kind and caring. Um, is it just the systems that is to blame or is it the system and our culture here in yeah. the UK? I mean, I think it's both. I mean, and the statistics say it as well. So if we look at income inequality, um, what they used to measure is the Gini coefficient, which is basically a measure of zero to 100 with um, how much you know income is divided. And the UK stands around 0.34, um, excluding housing costs. But it, there's an interesting chart that shows if you look at Europe, um, most countries, if you look at gross income, the Gini coefficient is around 50%, like halfway. But after you've redistribute income and factoring taxes uk you know on a lesser extent does that compared to european countries like finland belgium austria and i think it's because again going back to the culture we have in the uk of um you need incentives you need to incentivize entrepreneurs business owners in order to make money um if we keep on giving benefits out people it will come to a point like if everybody shared the same salary, there's no incentives to go and make more. And I think to your point of you've probably been to countries where you think, wow, there's people with less income. They might even be defined as poor, but they're much more happier. I've heard this saying like a poor person doesn't know they're poor until you tell them. <laughs> well, even worse in our generation of social media until you show them. So mm-hmm. if I am in a community with everybody who is similar like me, I might not know anything is wrong, but we live in a generation where social media has distorted reality. So I can even see other things that may not be true. Now I think I'm poor. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that comparison that's, you know, rife, that's across our nation, across the globe, which is then leading to this idea of like, you know, unhappiness, but also this idea of I need more, Mm -hmm. I need more income. And, And I think part of it is, is, also the fact that sometimes the reality is the truth that there are we get to see you know there are people who have a lot and it might not be fair for example you know the oil companies they're making insane amount of profits from the energy um price rise with the tensions across the world but you know social media people publish on it it's given us the knowledge to let us know wow that's actually happening the billions and you know, are they paying taxes or are they avoiding it because they have the money to, um, you know, make sure they keep most of that money? As I said at the beginning, um, we need business aligned with the state. We need everybody focused on looking after other people and looking after our planet. And if we get uh, both uh, businesses and the state to be totally aligned um, and move from a culture of uh, rights, where I've got the rights to do whatever I like, to a culture of obligations to others, to care for others and planets. That will sort the problem. Supercar Mark. Not anymore. Just a <laughs> smart car. Uh, so I think that my philosophy is the hybrid model, right? I think you should still have things in place because... The thing is with entrepreneurs, I've working with a lot of them as well. What's another possible solution? Tax more of the rich, right? As in increase those taxes, for example. They just go off work. They will just go offshore. They will just find more creative ways. So it will actually push them away. So is there other incentives that we can put in place to actually spread that across and help people? So my hybrid method is actually just to create, because it starts with awareness. 
if you just get have everyone focused on greed, of course that loop will continue. But if you can create more conscious leaders to do things to give back, I think that's my best approach from what I've seen in my experience. Um, I, I think that you know, I really believe in the power of entrepreneurship. You know, I believe that entrepreneurs are, are the kind of dynamic change makers in society um, more often than not. And if you look at some of the business innovations, technological innovations, the world changes pretty quickly when kind of entrepreneurship aligns with financial resources. So I suppose my kind of key solution would be to just try and foster a culture where a slightly greater proportion of entrepreneurs became social entrepreneurs. Um, you know, in my book, I talk about an aspiration where it would be about a one in five ratio. So things wouldn't need to change too radically for every four entrepreneurs that had the more traditional profit maximizing motive. If we had one socially focused entrepreneur that really set their sights on a particular social challenge, really set their sights on helping the most vulnerable people in society, then we could start to make really big inroads in these issues. Because um, I think the pace of change that entrepreneurship can create can vastly outstrip what the state can achieve. And um, so I think it's about, you know, as Philip said, looking at redefining success effectively, at least for some more, uh, a higher proportion of people and encouraging more people to create business models to tackle some of the social challenges that we face. Yeah, and I think I have two words, and that's education and assets. Um, I didn't touch much on the education piece, but I do believe there's actually a lack of education when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to closing the wealth and income divide. I think more people should be educated on these things, um, taxes, um, investments, equity, pensions, and then I think, again, it's this is looking at the assets. I think how can we redistribute assets across individuals in the UK in a fair way or entrepreneurship? How could we encourage more entrepreneurship, but also focusing on making sure that these entrepreneurs have equity in what their heart, sweat and blood and tears have been put into um, and allowing them to also be rewarded in that?